Ante Up is your poker magazine dedicated to the everyday player and their poker rooms. Pick up a free copy at your favorite poker room nationwide each month. But Ante Up is much more than a magazine. Visit AnteUpMagazine.com daily for breaking news and each week download our award-winning poker cast. Join us on our action-packed poker cruises to exotic destinations. Ante Up, it's your poker magazine. From the Anti-Up headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Anti-Up PokerCast. And now, here are two guys who think they know how to play poker, Chris Casenza and Scott Long. It's May 10th, 2019. You're listening to the greatest poker cast that was ever invented. I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Long. This is one of those shows where you just have to say everything that goes on in the beginning of this recording is, uh, what the hell is wrong with people? (laughs) Well, I mean, one, a lot of it's like, who the hell cares? And then a lot of it's like, why are they caring the way they're caring? Caring. Oh, I love it. That's perfect, isn't it? Uh, Yeah, I just don't get this. This whole beginning. Scott and I have dubbed the beginning of our show the banter portion. Uh, This banter is brought to you by the whydoyoucare.com website. I mean, (laughs) I don't even know if that is a website, but it should be because this is where this stuff should be listed. Unbelievable. Right. All of this falls under that umbrella, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's very astute observation, partner. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. That's what I get paid to do. So, <laughs> Go ahead. All right. Let's start with the first piece of madness. Mm-hmm. Uh, Houston police last week raided two Houston poker clubs, arresting nine executives and seizing bank accounts worth up to $10 million as Harris County shared its views on the state's new poker community in the most brazen way yet. Law enforcement uh, officials say the raids are a result of a two-year undercover operation where officers bought membership fees and played poker in each of the clubs. That's exactly how all Texas poker rooms, uh, uh, Texas rooms operating poker social clubs have been doing it, believing it to be legal. But Harris County disagrees, saying it is akin to money laundering and organized crime. Okay, so when we we first learned about this, it was even before last week's show, but we wanted to let it flesh out a little bit. We wanted to just do a knee-jerk thing and everything, and we wanted to see what news stories were being released to. And and I just just don't get it. I'm just so tired of these types of stories where these, these county officials are breaking up these things that they are just trying to, the most minute portion of, the law or of the crime that they think is, you know, they, I'm just so tired of these types of stories. They come up every couple of months on our site, on our show. I mean, it's just crazy. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, and the most listeners know I'm very moderate. I'm, I'm the kind of guy I can see, see things from both sides and blah, blah, blah. Right. This one, there's no two sides to this. This is just beyond ridiculous in my opinion. So, uh, I, and it, 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 there must be something going on either in the county uh, prosecution uh, prosecutor office, Texas. I mean, Houston cops. Something there. Someone that decided they just wanted to make an example out of someone. Because here's the thing, right? These clubs were not doing, as far as I can tell by all the reporting I've seen out there, have not done anything differently than any other clubs around Texas. Right. 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 They're all doing this uh, using the social poker club statute. And operating it that way. Now, obviously, we, we said from the very beginning when these Texas rooms started coming up that it was going to probably end up in court at some point and figure it all out. So 
I'm not saying that they're uh, they're all on the up and the up uh, on the up and up, but you know that's a decision to make. But they weren't doing anything differently. So if 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 the goal of the Houston police and the Harris County prosecutor was to if they decided, hey, this is we we have a different opinion of the statute than what you do, and we just think you need to stop. All they had to do was walk in two years ago and say that. Right. And say, hey, uh, we understand you believe this is legal. I want you to understand that we believe it's not. And if you continue to operate, we will arrest you and charge you with crime. That's essentially what happened in Dallas, right? That's why you don't have these clubs in and around Dallas. Right. Now, I, I can't explain why they didn't do it. I don't know why they had to do a two-year undercover operation uh, to, ex- to eventually figure out that they were doing exactly what the clubs have been publicly saying they've been doing for the last two years, right? Exactly. They didn't, I, it's not an underground organization. <laughs> this isn't like uh, breaking up Texas Dolly's game back in the, whatever, 50s, 60s, 60s whatever it yeah, was, right? Right. I mean, these, these people have not been hiding anything. They've been doing interviews in newspapers and TV shows explaining all this. So there, there's nothing to, there's nothing to undercover here. I know. Um, so th- this was clearly, from my opinion, just an attempt to embarrass these people and make a huge statement, you know, make political points, whatever it is. There's something going on there that's just not right. And uh, they, this could have been handled completely differently. And then on top of that, we had a, a listener um, write in a scathing email about how upset he is about this. And I understand it. And. You know, even when they did it, they, they went even farther than that. They had to charge them with money laundering and organized crime. And when you hear those terms, you think of mobsters and drug dealers, right? Mm. That's not what was going on here. They were operating a poker club. And so they believe the prosecutor believes that they shouldn't be. So they, they went very high and are trying to piece together this criminal mastermind organization out there. And I'm not a lawyer, I'm not a judge. Our listeners that are those people can probably chime in on this, but I don't think that's going to hold up. I mean, obviously they can, uh, what could hold up very easily is that they're running an illegal gambling operation. Um, you know, if a jury believes that the interpretation was wrong. But to say this is a money laundering operation, to say this is organized crime is just beyond any comprehension I have for this. It's 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 akin to pre Bahara or whatever calling the bond Ponzi scheme to the a full tilt pil, uh, tilt poker and uh, poker stars stuff when they right. I mean, it was not a Ponzi scheme. Yeah, it's unbelievable, absolutely unbelievable, and it's it's just it's sad to see how far people will go to. To make a name for themselves, you know, maybe the the, the sheriff is uh, up for election or something. You know, what I mean, it's just it's crazy. It's just absolutely crazy. And the, that, you hit it on the head. I was thinking the exact same thing. Undercover, undercover. I mean, it's like when you go undercover, you insert yourself into somebody who's doing things that, that you don't see. They're behind the scenes, and it's it's something that is being done in back rooms and and not put in our magazine with ads. <laughs> Come see how we're breaking the law, everyone. It's ridiculous. Yeah, Absolutely this is ridiculous. not Eddie Murphy trying to uncover a cigarette smuggling ring and Billy <laughs> <laughs> oh, Hill's copy, right? This is oh man, oh, uh, wow. Man. Um, uh, but you know, so the uh, the rose colored view I will give listeners in in Texas, and what it gave the listener that wrote in here is um, this doesn't 
at least initially seem to be affecting anywhere else. I mean, all these, every Texas room is under a different jurisdiction, right? So that's what we've known from the beginning. So uh, Dallas made their views known from the beginning. Houston took two years to make their <laughs> views known. Um, not saying there isn't another crazy undercover operation going on in San Antonio or Midland or any of these other cities. Um, but I would imagine if that's going on, we would have found out about it in the last week. Um, so those clubs are still operating. And interestingly enough, the smaller clubs in Houston are still operating. Um, that was the other thing that, uh, the prosecutor said that, you know, they want to go after the big money. So these are the two big clubs. Um, they didn't really care about the small ones. So yeah. if you don't care about the small ones doing the same thing, that's also going to be an interesting argument, I think, for these uh, poker rooms lawyers uh, when they get this uh, in court. So, yeah, see, this, this reminds me of a couple of things, but mostly it reminds me of the time that I was driving to work at the St. Petersburg Times on Thanksgiving afternoon, and I'm going down I-275, and I'm speeding. Okay, I'm doing like 65 in a 55. And I'm speeding, and I don't know that there is an unmarked police vehicle behind me. I don't know. And I'm speeding. I get to the ramp, which is now 45, and I'm still doing 65. Then he pulls me over. And I say, why did you pull me over now? Why didn't you pull me over when it was 55 miles an hour and I was only doing 10 miles an hour speed limit? He goes, I wanted to wait till you do 20 miles an hour so you pay a bigger fine. And I was like, so seriously. So I said, so, and I say this to the cop, too, which I, I'm usually really just like really nice and not but i said to him so let me ask you this so if you saw a guy killing someone you would wait till he killed two or three people so he knew that it stuck you know the charge would stick or would you just arrest him and try to stop him right away from breaking the law right away and he looked he looked at me like and then he actually rolled the fine back and said i made it nine miles an hour over speed limit because i i was interested by your argument or some weird thing so i actually talked myself into a little cheaper ticket um but that's what this bothers me because if they're breaking the law in their eyes everywhere, then everywhere needs to be shut down. And right. if you're not doing that, then you're picking and choosing what you want to do, and that's not going to stand up. That's not yeah, right. The only, yeah, the only way it would stand up if these two clubs were operating differently and even slightly differently. It doesn't have to be brazenly right. differently. Um, and there has been that debate around Texas. There are rooms that are saying, you know, some rooms are doing this and they don't feel uh, – other rooms don't believe that – under their interpretation of the law, they can do that. So that might still be the case here, but that that wasn't in the quote. The quote was, you know, we went after the big money ones. Yeah, so. uh, unbelievable. So we'll see how it plays out. But um, we, we checked in with our friends at the uh, Social Card Clubs of Texas, who have been running a uh, fundraising tournament that we're a proud sponsor of, and they say it's it's going on. Obviously, the uh, one of the clubs was one of the ones that raided, so you won't be playing there. But uh, day ones will be at the other two. Uh, card clubs so um that will be at the texas card house in austin and the sa card house in san antonio um those day ones are going on now i believe and the final will be held um uh, may 17th to 26th uh, at sa card club in san antonio so if you want more information on that go to socialcardclubsoftexas.org yeah all right i i never thought i would utter the name kim kardashian on this show chris <laughs> at least not in like some kind of funny bit in response to something but she made it on a topic here she makes it a topic everywhere right <laughs> but this was just too rich to pass it up so after numerous people uh, started sharing a photo of kardashian wearing mirrored sunglasses a poker tournament questioning her intelligence uh uber debunking site snopes.com felt compelled to research it the photo is real 
and it's from a charity tournament Kim played last year, and Snopes was quick to point out that wearing sunglasses at a poker tournament, even mirrored ones, is quite common. Yes, folks, it is. <laughs> what has our world come to? Uh, seriously, how did this woman make it on our show? I, I don't I don't know how this happened. First, I thought we were truly desperate, you know, for, like, topics and stuff. But we got plenty to talk about, so I don't know. I think you have a secret crush on her. You're not telling anyone. No, I, I promise you I do not <laughs> in any way, shape, or form. You probably so. have a picture of her now in those sunglasses, like, printed out and on your rearview mirror of your car or something so you can look at her all the time and... Well, yeah. When I first saw this, uh, what was drawn to me was I, I, I missed the mirrored part of it. I just saw sunglasses, and I'm like, "What are people talking about?" Um, and then I'm like, "I can't believe these people don't know." I haven't watched poker and see people wearing sunglasses. Then I'm like, oh, "Okay, the mirrored." So they're saying that when you peek at your cards, people can see into the mirror and know what you have, well, which ridiculous. is all a different kind of ridiculous, right? Yeah. But I'm like, oh, I can see how the uh, the gullible people in our nation. 85% of them <laughs> uh, can, can fall for that as well. And, and, you know, everybody's looking for a way to make uh, Kim Kardashian look um, not intelligent. Now, of course, this the fact that Snopes debunked all this does not um, speak at all to Kardashian's intelligence. <laughs> but it does not mean that this particular thing is any evidence uh, that, that she is not smart. So. All I know is that this is what makes her a billionaire. <laughs> because stuff like this is just like the, the Starbucks cup inside the stupid yeah. Game of Thrones thing. They got over like $3 billion of free advertising because some, some idiot on the crew with a grip or something made a mistake and left the cup there. And now it's like, all right, now Kim Kardashian's getting all this free publicity on our show. Now everyone on the show is listening as near a computer is going to look up the photo. <laughs> and then she's going to get all this free, you know. And it's like, uh, unbelievable. She probably had someone start that damn you know, brush back on social media intentionally. So we'd be talking about, she's like, you know, the one place we never made it was that any old poker cast. I want to get on that show somehow. So here we go. So now she's stepped oh, into man. our world. Unreal. <laughs> um, wait, a couple of things, last things I would say before we move on to the next thing. But one, when you take a shot at someone, be sure you hit, right? Yes. So, Whoever came up with this obviously didn't do any research at all and made themselves look like an idiot. Now, of course, it's the internet, so you never know who starts this stuff. So it's not like that person's ever going to have to feel any shame, right? But right. Uh, if, if you're going to take a shot, hit. So <laughs> be sure you know what you're making fun of. Particularly the, these kind of celebrities, I promise you there's something that is legitimate out there that you can make fun of them for. So stick with that. Don't uh, fall for this other stuff. And the other thing, and I will plead with every one of our Annie Up listeners, Snopes.com is your friend. It yeah. really is. Yeah. You know, when you see something on Facebook, Twitter, uh, uh, your dad sends you a chain email, and you're like, oh, I can't believe that's true. More than likely, it's not. And if you just go to Snopes.com, you will find it right away. The folks that run that do a fantastic job of responding very quickly on stuff, and uh, it'll save you from being an idiot by resharing it and continuing um, adding to the dumbing down of America, which is accelerating at a ridiculous pace. Yes, and, and don't do it tongue-in-cheek sharing, because I learned that lesson this week. <laughs> I, I shared something, like, it was so obviously stupid, and then someone took me seriously and then was like, "Here's it's debunked here. And I'm like, ah, hold on, let me edit the post and put a smiley face in my comment so that you know I'm joking around. <laughs> I mean, I just couldn't believe it. So you, you got to just absolutely be 100% clear with whatever you're doing online because people will just rip you apart 
if they don't understand your subtle humor. And so, oh, yeah, yeah, make sure you know what you're doing before you're posting or sharing or, or complaining. It's unbelievable people will go through to, to just try to prove they're right and you're wrong online. Unbelievable. <laughs> All right, the PokerNews.com recently interviewed Patrick Antonius about a tournament series in Estonia featuring his name, in which he discussed some variations they are using, including a shorter shot clock with more time banks. And also that he's tired of seeing players covering themselves up, so players will not be able to wear hoodies or scarves or anything else that obscures an opponents' view of them. Sunglasses are okay for now, uh, but he made it clear he's not a fan of those either. Uh, Orpin Kisakagalu? <laughs> Someone on Poker News. <laughs> That's all you got to say. <laughs> <laughs> Writing up Poker News later, uh, took issue with Patrick, saying hoodies, sunglasses, scarves, headphones, and more have long been part of poker and should not be banned. And the idea that they should be is, quote, medieval, populist, and completely unnecessary, he says. What do we say? Well, here, here's the deal. Um, if you come into my house and I tell you there's no smoking in my house, just because people smoke all the time all over the place doesn't mean you can smoke in my house. If Patrick Antonius wants his name tied to an event and he doesn't want that event to have people covering themselves up or – being obnoxious or whatever he, then it's his tournament and you don't have to enter it. Go play somewhere else. It's his tournament. His name's on it. He has the right to, you know, if they want to use the big blind ante and you don't like it, that's one of the rules of the tournament. Don't play in that tournament. So to me, yeah. Do you, do you think it's kind of silly that a human being should be able to do whatever he can to protect himself at a poker table, whether it means putting on glasses or headphones or, Whatever, I, I don't say that's you know wrong, but when you're telling me that this is my tournament and you know there were there are tournaments that you know you take give you as long as you want to make a decision on an, on a, a hand until someone gets fed up with it and asks for a clock. Now there are tournaments with shot clocks, like he's even having a shot clock on his tournament. So how are they not objecting to this, but they're objecting to People wearing hoodies, not being able to wear hoodies and stuff. It just, it doesn't. People, like I said, this is what I'm talking about at the beginning of the show. Why do we care? Right. Either enter the tournament and and abide by the rules, you know, as the dude would say, or or <laughs> don't enter the tournament. I mean, what's the deal? <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. This would be a much bigger deal if. Patrick said, "Hey, I don't like these things." And the World Series puffer goes, "You know what, Patrick? We agree with you." And we're not going to do the World Series. <laughs> but this is, you know, it's an event in Estonia. It's his thing. You know, he worked out a deal where his name's on it. And the part of that deal, obviously, was, hey, I want to shape this to what I think a poker tournament should look like. Yeah. yeah. No problem. Great. I have no problem with that. Doesn't matter. Um, now, beyond that, though, um, it is kind of funny what people get upset about, right? Um you know, I'm not a big fan of the hoodies and the scarves and this obscuring. I mean, all that I think is utterly ridiculous myself. But it's, I will agree with uh, the guy's name who I completely butchered. Here, <laughs> that, you know, it, it's become a part of poker now. So you know, that doesn't mean that it, it needs to stay a part of it. But it's become a part of it, and I think people are accepting of it. Uh, the one interesting thing he said about headphones is. Um, one of the arguments people have about headphones is if you get rid of them, the game becomes more social. And he's like, you can't make an antisocial person be social at the table just by taking away his headphones, right? Right. 
you're the type that just doesn't want to talk at the table, and because of that, you put headphones on and you're on your little world when you're playing. Taking those headphones off is not going to make you all of a sudden become, uh, you know, a chatty Cathy at the table, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it's all about what you're trying to do. So are you trying to clean up the game, make it look more professional? Um, or are you saying that it's these people are covering things up and it's it's not um, not proper for the game where you should be able to be able to get all the tells off your player as possible. But again, that and that argument doesn't work either because you can cover yourself up if you want. I mean, we, <laughs> you could have a heads up match where everybody's Phil Locke underneath his entire hood, right? Yeah. If you want. Um, and, and the interviewer, uh, the, the woman that interviewed Patrick, that's what she said. is like, you know, hey, being able to figure out tells is a part of poker. Um, and essentially trying to agree with them in the middle of a journalistic interview, <laughs> but, uh, but I don't, I don't agree with that. You know, it is what it is. So, um, but yeah, it, it's just coming out of nowhere, I think. So, yeah, I mean, this is just a modification of what some would like to see in their events. It's just like, uh, you know, take the Kentucky Derby and all this racing that's going on. You know, they, they're on different lengths, tracks. Sometimes they're on different surfaces and stuff. They want to see how the horse runs at these different things. You don't say, oh, every single track is a mile and a quarter. So, you know, no, you, you, if you want to compete in this arena, this is, this is the rule. And this is what you're going to follow. And, uh, you know, just because it's not like he's taking, uh, saying straights, you know, beat flushes or something when it's not true, you know. Unless it was short deck and something changes. But, I mean, you know, he's not doing anything to the actual game of poker. He's just trying to make it the way he wants it to be with his name tied to it. I don't see anything wrong with that. And if you don't want to play in that, then don't play in it. Um, we don't need to talk about this, but I did think it was interesting that when I, when I heard him talking about the shot clock, I'm like, how can he be opposed to shot clock? And he's not opposed to shot clock. He says shot clocks are too long. <laughs> yeah, shorter ones. long. So his shot clock are 10 seconds, but you get more of these time banks. And to me, all that uh, shot clocks, time banks, all this stuff, that just adds too much more complexity for me. I don't, I don't need all that in my life. But I do love the fact that he said when you give somebody 30 seconds, they take 30 seconds now. So it actually makes it longer <laughs> with shot clocks. So yeah. here's 10 seconds, and you, or you're in and around, and if you need to use a time bank, you got more time banks or whatever. Get a loan from the time bank bank. <laughs> uh, but it's just there's all all kinds of layers in this that uh, we could talk about later. But uh, just all of it just is like you know we could cure cancer if we spent time yeah yeah on that rather than this. But it was a good item because it fit the theme of the why do they care dot com uh, <laughs> theme of the show. So. Hey, Annie Updates, here's where the Annie Up Poker Tour is going next. The Annie Up World Championship and Annie Up NorCal Classic at Thunder Valley Casino Resort near Sacramento, California, July 6th to 28th. Atlantis Casino Resort Spa in Reno, Nevada, August 15th to 25th. Hummel Casino near San Diego, September 20th to the 29th. And Wild Horde Pass Hotel and Casino near Phoenix, November 11th to the 16th. And we love hearing from our fans. If you have a hand of the week, listener spotlight, or call the floor submission, email us at podcast at antiupmagazine.com or post in the Antiup Fans group on Facebook. Find yourself in a situation at your favorite poker room or home game and you're not sure what the proper ruling should have been? Email us at podcast at antiupmagazine.com. We'll have Hollywood Casino Toledo Director of Poker, Elliot Schechter, tell you how he would have ruled. This week's prize is a 30-minute telephone lesson and workbook from Thomas Gallagher Casino Seminars, specializing in poker odds and math at poker911.net. comes from Jim Gilson. We're going to have a little interesting uh, give and take on this. 
Um, he says he was in a 1-2 no-limit game uh, in his local Florida poker room. There seemed to be one green chip jumping around that people were trying to change out for red, not sure why, for a while, and there were a lot of $12 preflop raises. The hand had a, this hand had a few limpers in middle position. The button raises to $12, the small blind calls, and the big blind throws in said green chip and fails to drag the remaining two white chips with no verbalization because he was eating a hot fudge sundae, which he immediately turned his attention back to eating. The first two middle positions complete the $12, but the third, who had just sat down before the hand, states, $25 more? I was going to call the 12 as he was folding. The other players state it was a $12 raise, and the button called. The dealer initially agreed, but then asked the big blind if it was a raise. He acted what appears to be genuinely surprised or confused for a second, then looks around at the action and states, yes, it was a raise. Lots of grumbling at the table, lots of discussion, mainly with the context of distrust for the timing of it all, and the apparent angle shot by the green chip guy. Dealer remained non-committal at this point, and the rest of the table seemed to want to avoid drama with the floor. So the questions are, and we'll do the first question, then Scott and I will kind of go back and forth because it's a lot. Um, knowing only that much, would this qualify for a single over chip rule? He grabbed one chip and flipped it in, half paying attention. All right, Elliot says, uh, from Robert's Rules of Poker, no limit and pot limit. Uh, rule 10, a bet of a single chip or bill without comment is considered to be the full amount of the chip or bill allowed. However, a player acting on a previous bet with a larger denomination chip or bill is calling the previous bet unless this player makes a verbal declaration to raise the pot. This includes acting on the force bet of the big blind. When the small blind and a 1-2 no limit holding game throws a $25 chip without saying anything, it is understood to be a call regardless of the chips the player had available in their stack for use. This applies to the big blind, too. The bet was $10, and they silently placed a $25 chip in the pot. Any rule rules regarding multiple chip betting do not apply in this situation because multiple chip betting only means when more than one chip are placed in the pot simultaneously. Uh, this is clearly a situation where the oversized chip rule applies, and it would make the placement of a $25 chip a call of the $10 raise. Okay, so then he says, do the other two white chips out there make a difference? Ellie says the two white chips make no difference. The principle is that when the better is silent, the default bet is the current bet to that player when an oversized chip is used. In this case, the current bet is the $10 raise. Would this be the same knowing that similar occurrences had been done the same night, same table, same chip, and even the same guy, and it previously wasn't considered a raise? Uh, Elliot says, it appears as though the previous situation was ruled correctly. The dealer in your situation was dealing on autopilot, appears without calling the game. Dealers need to announce call when an oversized ship enters the pot. This procedure shuts down angle shots. Would it change anything if the new guy who asked the question would, uh, while folding had just sat down and wasn't aware of what was going on? Elliot says, no, it would not make any difference. This is a straightforward rule that has no leeway. Two people had called the $12, but had said the words call before the dealer asked if the bet was a raise. Should the dealer have asked about the raise? Well, he says the dealer should not have asked anything. Uh, they should have announced the call as explained uh, before. Okay. Should the two callers have uh, been held to the $12 raise or Hot Fudge's shady $27 raise? Uh, he says the two callers should only have been held at the $12 bet if everything was caught in time. We have to assume the two players after Shady Fudge placed $5 chips in the pot. 
making the $13 re-raise offered an accepted action. Placing five red ships in the pot is not an amb- amb- ambiguous and would stand as two consecutive players uh, did just that. Again, this is a result of a dealer that seemed to be going through the motions. Uh, that would be proper for a 10-25 blind game, as these players know the rules very well and don't want the player saying uh, much of anything. In a 1-2 game, the players generally need the stern hand of a dealer that pays attention and calls a good game. All right, so the last one. If the guy who folded cards had his card still in front of him and not in the muck, should he have been able to stay in if it were deemed to be $12? Uh, Elliot says, no, the fold, folded hand is not to be given back. All players have the right to get a clarification or rule prior to acting. If the player's not sure, there's no need to fold until questions are answered. Interesting. Ah, that's a, that's a long uh, call to floor there. <laughs> um, as in almost all the call to floors, a very, very, very simple solution to this is to get that stupid ship out of play. Yeah. I hate when I'm in games like this and people just keep passing around this one ship that everybody thinks has hepatitis C on it, right? If if no one wants it, some players just speak up and go, hey, dealer, no one wants this ship. Can you color it down? I'll take five red ships. You get this off the table. Or if no player's bold enough to say that very reasonable request, the dealer should just take it out of the pot and rechange it with uh, five yeah. Uh, chips. Yep. And then you don't have it going around and everybody going, ooh, he's got the ship now, and throwing it in every fucking time. <laughs> <laughs> and causing this, I mean, look at the, the size of this call of war that this caused. I know, and the amount of time, and it's delaying the game, and it's just ridiculous. And now they didn't want to call the floor over, you know, because there was something that happened earlier with the floor. I didn't want to put it in the show, it was just too long. But And it's just, it's just ridiculous. Now, you've, now you're just delaying the game you're now you're sidestepping the rules of the game because you don't want to have to call the floor and get the right ruling it's just ridiculous take the green chip out unbelievable uh, yeah you know here's the thing players i mean it, we, i know that people get upset because uh, elliot and other um floors will tell you all the time that player you have a lot of responsibilities right i mean if people just think that they can go to the poker room and they just get to sit on their butts and the workers have to do everything, right? You know, you, you have an active responsibility when you're in a poker game. And one of the things that I don't think we spend enough time talking about is you have a responsibility, in my opinion, of watching the game and looking for situations that are developing and nipping them in the bud as quickly as possible. Because how many of these have you then, like, oh, we're going to call the floor, like, oh, this guy's been doing it all night. Well, he's been doing it all night? <laughs> why didn't we stop it earlier in the night you know yeah all right once maybe that's weird second time that's time to speak up if you get to the third time that someone's done something weird you failed the game by not speaking up and and getting it rectified and uh you can't be scared of the table that people are going to look at you weird or ask me that i mean you're doing it in the best interest of the game if you're very polite about it no reasonable player should have a problem with it but if you don't you sit there quietly this is the kind of stuff that's going to eventually happen later. Right, you get what you deserve. And I, as you just said, the best thing to do is to say, hey guys, in the best interest of the game, and so we get a lot more hands in, can we get rid of this $25 chip? Does anybody really object to that? And then if they say they do, yeah, whatever. But at that point, you've been, you know, I would say, you know, pretty level-headed about it. Um, 
and diplomatic. So I don't, I don't see any reason why you shouldn't speak up. Don't don't worry about speaking up. Worry about this happening and losing a huge pot or you know losing your chance to to see a flop because of this stupid thing. Now you folded, you know. So and Scott, when we used to teach our poker one on one, Scott would always tell the people one of the first things he would tell them is announce what you want to do. If you do that, if every person announces what they want to do, it will be such a better experience, and this stuff doesn't happen. You wouldn't even need floors half the time because everyone's announcing what they're doing. Ridiculous. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Wise advice. We are, yeah, because it's yours. <laughs> we are going to learn the move that Macham O'Malley made. So we're going to refresh our memories here with part one. We'll see you on the other side. Hello, and welcome to another O'Malley's Move. I am Malcolm O'Malley. This week we're playing short deck 6 plus Hold'em in our regular home game. To run this down for those that aren't aware, the 2s through 5s are removed from the deck, Ace, six, seven, eight, nine counts as a straight, and a flush beats a full house. Some games play where three of a kind beats a straight. We play that a straight beats three of a kind. The game is six-handed, and the stakes are 25 cent, 50 cent. The blinds post, and we are under the gun with close to our starting stack of 100. We have the nine of spades, nine of clubs. We're pretty new to six plus hold'em, and since it's early in the night, we want to limp and see what happens. We get a limper from an MP, the small blind calls, and the big blind checks. The pot is $2, and the flop is the king of clubs, nine of hearts, seven of clubs. The small blind checks, but the big blind makes it 150 to go. He can be pretty loose and can make some crazy plays, but also knows when to fold if pressed. We call here. If he misses the flop completely, he usually checks the turn, and we can take it away there. If he leads out on the turn as well, we can reassess. He started the hand with 75. The other players fold, and with $7 in the pot, the turn is the ace of diamonds. This isn't a card I'm overly concerned about, but my interest gets piqued when the big blind makes a $5 bet. I was planning on raising this street here, but I'm really confused about what this guy is doing. Is this a flush draw? Did he turn a straight? We elect to call and see what his action is on the river. There's $17 in the pot, and the river is the six of spades. The big blind thinks for quite a while before checking. So, we've got middle set on a board where only straights and bigger sets beat us. What's the move? All right, admittedly, I've not played short deck and still need to get comfortable with its quirks, uh, but I can't see how we don't bet here. It just seems like our opponent uh, uh, fired two bullets but didn't have the courage to fire the third. If he had any of the hands that beat us here, it doesn't make sense that he wouldn't fire again unless he's so crafty that he knows we'll bet here. Uh, I'm going to bet half the pot. I'm with you here. Uh, if you had a stranglehold on this hand and you saw us call twice, well, I check now, make a value bet. And I, and you said they were, unless you're so crafty. I'm thinking to myself, how crafty are people playing 25-cent, 50-cent short deck holding for the first time? You know what I mean? <laughs> so seriously, I, I think uh, I think we're, we need to make a bet. So. Uh, here we go. Here's part two. Hello again. This feels like a busted flush draw, doesn't it? He didn't raise preflop, so it could be a weakish flush draw. Any sets over our nines would have been a preflop raise. I think any straight value bets the river. 
The only thing giving me pause is our opponent has been known to triple barrel busted draws on occasion, so maybe he's laying a trap. Still, I think we're good, and I'm hoping he has a pair to go with the draw. We throw two $5 chips into the pot to make it seem more inviting to call. Our opponent mucks instantly. Flush draw? We ask. Mm-hmm, he says. Until next time, I'm Malcolm O'Malley saying, give 6 Plus Hold'em a try at your next home game. It can be action-heavy and is great in shorthanded situations. I hope to see you on the felt. Yeah, we were uh, way ahead there. <laughs> Did you just say way ahead? Because you never say that. In fact, you criticize anyone who says way ahead or way behind, and you've said it even if you make me remove it from the magazine when, like, the strategy writers say it. So I'm going to say, yeah, we, we were way ahead. <laughs> I can't believe you said way ahead. That's awesome. You're slipping. Well, we know buddy. we're way ahead now. <laughs> yeah, of course they folded. We're way ahead. <laughs> you're ahead or you're behind, right? Either. You think they weren't either out of there, too. You just, you're, That's true. That's you're so true. belligerent. <laughs> But in this case, we were way ahead. Way ahead. <laughs> All right, it's time for the AdvancedPokerTraining.com Hand of the Week. Send your hands or situations to podcast at AndyUpMagazine.com. If you want something from us in the past year, you'll get a free membership to Advanced Poker Training, the world's number one poker training site. Uh, Jonathan Unbacher is back, Chris. Yeah. Uh, let's see what he has for us this time. He says, uh, in the middle of a five-table tournament, I'd just been moved to a new table, so I didn't have any reads. Um, I, oh, hold on. should I read this as a situation? Yeah, sure. I love situations. Uh, yeah, let's do this as a situation. All okay. right. I have a uh, queen, ten of clubs in late position and raise three X. The small blind calls all in for less and approximately 120 year old Asian man. <laughs> the big blind calls. We both have around average stacks. Flop is queen, ten, four with two hearts. Nailed it. <laughs> uh, he checks. I bet around three fourths a pot. He calls. The turn is the seven of diamonds. He checks. I bet around three fourths a pot. And he calls. Rivers the deuce of hearts, completing the flush. He shoves around pot. I have a little bit more, but not much. And uh, okay, all right, we'll stop there and then talk about what we're gonna do. And then he has other questions. We're we're stopping there. Okay. Um. Huh. I I don't I don't. Let's see. First of all, I don't know why we're telling us that the guy's Asian. I don't know if that's doing anything. Um, but uh, 120 years. Yeah, 120 years old. Um, I at this point, we when we first started the show years ago, we had a fan. Uh, he would show up at events every once in a while, at local events when we were when we were still kind of small time, which now we're huge. So, um, but he he would say to us. That, and he would even email us this too. I'm sorry to be tough to get to the point here, but when there's a flush draw out there and you're in the hand and it gets to the turn and the flush draw hasn't gotten there and you've already bet it, he says you got to put the hammer down on that turn that that player should never see the river. Right. Now, I'm not saying you shove here because you could be behind a set of fours or a set of sevens or something weird. But I just wonder if when you bet, he calls, and then you bet and he calls. Now it's the river, and then he shoves. It's like, okay, should I have made a different bet on the turn? Um, I, I absolutely agree with you, but he bet three-fourths a pot I know, twice. and that, that's the thing, it's and I like just don't he, know. 
bet small. I know, I know, and that's the thing. I, I and I don't know how much you have to bet. The other guy that I told you, the friend that we had, the fan, he would advocate shoving there. To me, that's ridiculous because you could have six hundred thousand chips, and it's only a five thousand dollar pot. You know what I mean, or whatever, using five thousand unit pot, whatever. And then you're putting your entire tournament life on the line because you want to stop this guy from drawing. So that's kind of ridiculous. Um, so at this point, I mean, if it's around the pot size bet, you got top two. Yeah, okay. So maybe he did play it like it was a flush, and you could fall for that, and and then fold, um, and then he turns over queen seven, and you feel terrible, or queen four, or something, or even ace queen. Um, but uh, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about this. I it depends. If it's early on in the tournament and you have a decent stack and this isn't going to really affect you, you might want to fold because you know you're going to see his cards because it's a side pot. And then right. you can see how he plays and you use it against him because um, you said you just got moved to the table and it's only there's still five tables left, so there's still plenty of playing time. If this didn't really affect you, because we don't know stack sizes, we didn't know... We knew they were average, but we didn't know like the blinds and all that. So, um, if you feel like you could fold and still have a decent stack and have time to play against this guy or whatever, then maybe you make that fold because you're just being cautious and you're going to get the information anyway. But to me, depending on how much money was in that pot, how much is going to call? I mean, it's going to, I guess, going to cost you your stack. I think, yeah, right? Pretty much, yeah. Then yeah. um, I would go. I would go with my read. And then at that point, I'd be like, you know, I got top two. This guy is a check call, check call. And then they also, you know, if if you have nothing to go on at all, we've talked about this before where you sort of stereotype people. And then usually when they check call, check call, they're drawing. And then if that's what they did and then, you know, then you think that, they're drawing to something, and something got there, so you could feel comfortable folding if that's the way you want to go. There's also, though, think, thinking a, a lot of older players don't like to be bluffed, so they call everything. And now this guy's a calling station, but then why does he shove at the end? So <clears throat> it's hard to to put a stereotypical label on someone who's older in this instance. So to me, I I, I don't know. I'd have to know the actual chip sizes, you know, stack sizes, and chip in the pot, and all that stuff to really decide if I'm going to make that call. Um, in this case, I probably would have called. I felt like we had top two. Um, we bet a decent amount, and he still called. So is he really drawing? You know what I mean? Is he really drawing? Betting? And then on the turn, when you bet a decent amount, he calls again, and it's probably not the right call to make for a draw. So I, I don't know. Um, I feel like I'm going to call here, though, even though I don't know what's going on. Interesting. Um, all right, I think I'm going to fold here, and I, you you kind of spoke to a little bit that we're going to talk about with some of his questions that he has, follow-up questions here. But um, And when I wrote back to him, I'm like, you know, poker is a game of information. We all know that, right? Um, so in the absence of verifiable information, we go with um, tendencies, things that we know – that we've seen at the poker table over our careers that seem to work uh, fit, right? So one of those things I think most people agree is that the older the player, uh, the more conservative they are, the more calling station-y they are. Um, uh, some of the other things you mentioned, right? Um, 
So that that's what I'm going to assume that player is until I see them act differently. Um, because if you don't do that, then now you're now you just turn this into a faceless game now, right? So it, then you then you have less information to make your decision on. So that information may be wrong because they haven't verified it, but at least it's helpful, I think. So um, my experience with these older players is exactly this: that that they're going to have a flush here ninety percent of the time. And we don't have a flush, so I'm going to fold here. Um, now he could be getting the best of me. And then if he does, as you mentioned, we're going to see the card, so we're going to know, right? So that's going to be verifiable information now that we can use later on in the tournament. After And if he doesn't turn over a flush, then I'm going to know that he's craftier than I give the average 120-year-old player. Um, <clears throat> but for a flush, then she's going to confirm the same thing that I, that I thought, and I just saved myself a lot of money. So... Um, that's what I'm going to go on based on the lack of information we have in his hands. So it just, it, to me, it's screaming a flush here. But, was it, was that a Game of Thrones reference you threw in there, by the way? Uh, the, the faceless man or something? <laughs> <laughs> just curious if that was Game of Thrones. I don't know. Sorry, I'm just drinking my Starbucks coffee here. So <laughs> no, we, we've made at least two references to Game of Thrones now on the show. It's, it's weird. Uh, all right, so our hero says, uh, what possible value could he now be shoving with that my top two pair can beat? Ace-Queen, that seems horrible, especially because I could have played the entire hand this way with a nut flush draw and revered it. Shouldn't he be worried I might have that? And he's not a 21-year-old in a hoodie, sunglasses, and headphones. Uh, the older-than-dirt players don't tend to bluff, especially all-in on the river. I figure he must have a flush, grimace, and fold my hand face up. See, now, this, this is something I wanted to get... This is I wanted to remark about this, because I thought to myself, really, the guy wants to get some value for this hand now. Why is he trying to scare us out? Why would he shove... You know, unless he's positive, we have a huge hand. If we had a huge hand, we would have bet it. We bet it the whole way. So why does he now shove into us when we were betting it the whole way? You know what I mean? He, he's going to get value anyway if he just bets a little bit. You know, a third of the pot or something, but he well, shoves. I mean, Things will get more value by. I mean, the shove, the shove bet is a pot size bet, which is a proper bet if you had more than that, right? So, I wouldn't necessarily criticize him for shoving. I mean, he's making the appropriate bet there. I don't uh, think you make a pot size bet on the river. You, you, uh, you, you make a value bet. You make one third of the bet, one fifth of the pot. This big all the way to the <laughs> end. So I think he has to think that he's got us on the hook here. Uh, that doesn't mean that we can't wriggle off, wrinkle off, which I, I was going to wriggle off. Uh, or and um, but I you know I, I this is the debate over what's the best value here. I mean, do you make the classic value bet, which is you're mentioning, which is going to be impossible for anybody not to call, right? So you're guaranteed almost to get that amount, or are you giving up value by not betting a bigger amount that your opponent is still likely to call? And in this case, I think we're still likely to call that pot size bet. Um, because I'll tell you right now, uh, listeners out there probably, as usual, think I'm too tight in here and are surprised that I folded there. So, uh, But most players are not going to fold there, I don't think. I just don't it's understand. Just, it seems like a mindless shove rather than a, a thoughtful, well, how much can I get out of this now that I've made my hand? And the only thing that could scare somebody away is a shove. So why are you with the absolute nuts if you, or whatever with the flush? It could be a nut flush. I don't know what it is. But why now? try to deter us from calling well this is what's interesting about poker right how many times have we talked about the overshove or the the why so why so much you know that, that's part of the poker lexicon now right yeah yeah and and there are players that do it because they know oh, somebody looks at them like that that's too much that has to be a bluff and then there they call it 
and and then they're wrong. So you know, I don't necessarily think that if you've got the flush here, that that's that's the worst decision to make. The only thing is that he's just got moved to the table. Our player. So yes. when Jonathan's there, this guy doesn't know anything about him. It's one thing people usually make those moves when they know you have a penchant for calling because you're a you know you're a calling station. It, they don't just do it randomly, especially if they don't know how you play. It just seems to me like this guy's bluffing. It just, I know he's older, and people want to say that older people don't, but that's bull. It, people play poker, and so oh, you. I'm just saying the the, <clears throat> the stereotype matches. No, I know. I'm just I'm trying to uh, trying to find the the reason to call here, and to me, it just feels like there's no reason to shove here. Yeah, we bet a lot on both streets, but that doesn't mean he has to bet a lot. He generally these people want to get paid off when they make their flush. You go through all that, and then you scare them away for the implied, implied odds going away. You need to capitalize on that and make some money, especially from a player you don't know how he acts. He could be timid on the river if you shove and you make him fold. But if you make a nice little third of the pot or fifth of the pot or something that you know he can't fold, you make some more money. But you shove now, you you're scaring the guy. I, I just and I don't know. I just I don't know. I feel like he's bluffing. <laughs> Uh, all right, our hero says, I figure you must have the flush, Grimace, and fold my hand face up. He shows Ace of Hearts, King of Spades, oh, and then Nut Flush, Blocker Bluff, and takes the pot against the small blinds, Ace Nine. Oh, you said Ace uh, of Hearts. Not... I thought we were lost. I thought we lost. Uh, he says, I did not expect him to have that move, so props to him. The rest of the table got a kick out of it as well. Uh, general player stereotypes are usually helpful, but sometimes individuals can surprise you. So, yeah, so this goes back to what I was saying. Like In the absence of any information, you go with that is information that if you've been playing poker for 10, 15 years, and this type of, this person fits the type of person that does this, 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 and this, that is information that you've gleaned in your career, and yeah. you have to use it. Yeah. Um, now, obviously, we know that this player played against stereotype, and now you know that going forward. Um, you know, it wasn't costly to us here because we folded. Oh, I mean, it was costly because we folded. Um, but uh, but the next time it happens, then we had more information to go on. Now he could go back against uh, back to type rather than against type next time and get us. So, but again, that's 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 poker. You you keep building up of knowledge of base on the players you have. But again, in the absence of information, uh, verifiable information, you got to use the best information available. And to me, I, I still think this was the right decision even though it was the wrong decision that makes sense yeah it's the old top gun theory um uh, that's the thing about poker is if you if you don't have the type of mind that can remember things like if you if you're forgetful or if you if you can't recall things then it's not the game for you you know what i mean it's you have to be able to now file that away have that type of situation come up again and then recall it. Because if he's the type of player that can't remember who he made these moves on, he's going to do the exact same move again later. You know what I mean? So there's there's so much to this game. You know, there's so many levels. You have to know, is that the type of player that can remember everything he's ever done in his life? Or is that type of player who just likes to make this move and won't remember who he did it on? You know, because then later on, even though it happens to you again, now you can confidently make that call knowing that he only has that one shot in his arsenal and and it's not you know he doesn't mix it up it's a difficult game to play it really is it, you know that that saying about the moments to learn lifetime to master i mean you just can't you just can't know what this guy's going to do the next time he has this situation and it's a five player tournament you're probably never going to see it's five table tournament you're never going to see this guy again you know you never know but if you do i would go with 
him always doing this and not mixing it up on you. You know, I, I just don't, I don't know. I don't see that happening. I don't see this situation happening again. But I remember when we had TJ Cloutier on the, on the cruise ship that time and we were talking to him at dinner or something and he, he would, he had this incredible get, uh, gift or whatever you want to call it, talent for recalling how players. He, he, he never forgot a face. He didn't know your name or anything, but he, he remembered exactly how you played. And he remembered all the hands that he had against you that were significant. And he could go back into that Rolodex or whatever and say, hey, the 120-year-old Asian man, <laughs> last, <laughs> last time I played against him, he bluffed me on the river when he was trying to pretend he was going for the flush, and it got there, and he had the blocker, which would have worked a lot more effectively in Omaha than it did in Holden, but it worked for here against Jonathan. So, I don't know. I, it's an interesting thing, but Scott's right. The, the minute you have... But what... Does something... And I hate to use this word, but does something <laughs> trump something else? Like, like okay, so we, we don't know anything about the guy, so we go with stereotypical information that we've gleaned from our, our experience as a poker player. But then, what about other things like betting patterns or activity? Like, there, the, the fact that the guy normally... Would people normally would want to get value for their hands here, or you know something like that, or the betting pattern? This guy's never bet out before since I've seen him play, but he only bets out when he has the nuts, or he only bets out when he bluffs. You know what I mean? So which trumps which? When you you know what I mean? But I guess you'd have more information on that person. But yeah, that's it. The then, more right? information you yeah. have, sometimes the harder the decisions to get because of that. Yeah. Even though they theoretically get easier because you have more information now, but. You know, again, it's it's taking the information and then applying it because it's still a game of imperfect information, right? So yeah. all the stuff that we have are there, there. There's odds that you could put on all of it, right? So that's why the game is so mathematical, even if you don't do the math. So but, very interesting. But I, I'd prefer to have more information than less information. I mean, the decision is probably easier with less because now you're just like, all right, whatever, um, and it gets harder. But um, you, you make better decisions with more information you have. How's yeah. that? It's not. Yeah. Not easier, harder. You have, you make better decisions. Yes, yes. Well put, well put. You've got a lot of uh, pearls of wisdom on the show today. <laughs> All right, I'm the faceless man. <laughs> we'll see you at the tables. Anti Up is a production of AntiUpMagazine.com. Contact the show at podcast at antiupmagazine.com or call our hotline at 206-338-6344. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to advertising at antiupmagazine.com or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network. Music Network.